Mornings from 5 a.m., you heard right, 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. for a musical offering. Very truly merry. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3, KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1, KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Up next, cover to cover open book. Welcome to Open Book. I'm Richard Walensky. Stephen Sondheim is considered the greatest Broadway composer of the final third of the 20th century. Prior to working on his own, he wrote the lyrics for two shows, Gypsy and West Side Story, that are now classics in the canon. On his own from 1969 to 1987, his output was astonishing. He wrote the music and lyrics for Company, Follies, A Little Night Music, Sweeney Todd, Sunday in the Park with George, Into the Woods, and other lesser-known works. He slacked off after that. In the past quarter century, he's only created three new shows to date. The first two, Assassins and Passion, came before 2000. The third was several years in the making, under different names. Wise Guys became Bounce, and finally, when it opened at the Public Theater in New York in 2008, Roadshow. Unlike the rest of his mature work, Roadshow has not made it to Broadway. But it is the only recent fully original Sondheim show and is receiving its West Coast premiere in a theater rhinoceros production directed by John Fisher at the Eureka Theater in San Francisco through January 19th. I recently had a chance to briefly talk with John Fisher about Roadshow and this particular production. I began by asking John how he first came across Roadshow and how Rhino managed to snag the rights. I saw Bounce in Chicago, and then I fell in love with the recording of Roadshow from the public theater production. I was determined to get it, and I just kept asking. I think that a lot of local producers are sort of afraid of shows that New York hasn't signed off on, and this show is not well-received in New York. I don't put a lot of stake in that. I just look for material that I like, and when I like this, I just kept asking for it. We did Marry Me a Little a few years ago with two men in the role, and Sondheim signed off on that. And I think that there was uh, a feeling that uh, Rhino would uh, do the show justice. It's a show which has as its central love story a romance between two men, and I thought that that fit well with our theater. But it also has a much larger canvas, which is about American business and American art and the dangers of American business with its relationship to art. And so I think that those things really excited me about it. And once I have the bit in my teeth, I tend to talk publishers and agents into things. The Meisner brothers are at the heart of Roadshow. Who were they? Addison Wilson Meisner began right here in the Bay Area in uh, Benicia, and uh, they took on the world. Uh, first, they tried to strike it rich in the Klondike, and then they went to New York, and they ended up in Florida, and they were responsible for the great Florida land boom and bust. They were seminal figures in the first uh, third of the 20th century, and uh, deeply symbolic figures, too, because, as I say, they represented um, the shortcut to success, which is really what led to the Great Depression and a feeling of collapse in America that we didn't emerge from until the late 40s after the Second World War. And in many ways, the Meisners represent the first crack at success 
that this country embarked on in the first part of the 20th century. And it was a failed uh, attempt, but um, they were at the, at the core of it. And one was an architect and the other a con artist. Addison was, uh, was an uh, artist of architecture, and Wilson was an artist of the con. These days, there are two movies, American Hustle and Wolf of Wall Street, mm-hmm. have come out. And they show the con side of America today. Yeah. Sondheim was doing this 10 years ago when Bounce first came out, the earlier version. He was on it before. Yeah. I think Bounce was in many ways written in response to the great dot bomb bust back around that time and also the 911 bust after uh, the attacks in the United States. Strangely enough, by the time it was turned into Roadshow in 2008, there was another bust was upon us. Sondheim has lived through many of these busts in his life, and he, I think he's saying there's a cyclical nature to this. And I think that's what's so great about the show is that at the very end, all the people who've been screwed over come back out on stage and are being drawn in again. They're being sucked in again by the suckers. And the music of Sondheim is very difficult for you as a director to deal with. Yes, because people can't move too much when they're doing it. It's as difficult as music can be. It's like Wagner. It's like um, the toughest uh, soprano and tenor roles in Verdi. It really demands the singer's attention, which is so funny because Sondheim says he hates opera, and yet he writes music that is as demanding to sing as opera in a different way. In his case, the music is demanding, but also the diction. If the lyrics are not delivered correctly, the whole thing falls apart. And if you can imagine writing like the patter songs that are written for Henry Higgins and My Fair Lady, but they're also songs that have to be sung. Nobody made Rex Harrison sing. Sondheim makes Rex Harrison sing. You're not going to get away with Robert Preston, Rex Harrison stuff in a Sondheim show. You have to have the diction, and you have to hit the notes, and you have to go back to the diction, and you have to hit the notes, and then the song shifts in the middle, and the melody changes. He's incredibly demanding. I think it's significant that he hates Gilbert and Sullivan because he has so much done them one better at their own game. And um, I think he felt that competition and felt like he had to get in there and, and prove himself. I get so frustrated when people say he doesn't write great melodies. They should see this show. This show is full of great melodies. It's not like some of his other shows that um, are more challenging musically for the audience. This show is a, is a show of tunes, and that's what I love about it. He's really getting back to tuneful music, which, of course, in things like um, Little Night Music, Sweeney Todd, he was the master of. And you as a director, what is your greatest challenge in doing a show like Roadshow? Not get wrapped up in staging and and tricky dance numbers and things like that. Just get him out there. Get his story, get his music, get his diction, get his lyrics out there. Sondheim's the master. He's like Shakespeare. If you can get the words out there in a way that the audience can understand, they will appreciate it because... They want to. They want to hear him. He's a, he's a playwright they want to hear. I mean, I, 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 I put him amongst the very best. Tom Stoppard, a very few playwrights. Carol Churchill is another one. The language is key. What's definitely wonderful about Sondheim, of course, is the, is the beautiful music that supports it. It's like if Shakespeare had been a composer also. That was John Fisher, artistic director of Theater Rhino and director of the current production of Roadshow, now at the Eureka Theater in San Francisco through January 19th. John makes an interesting slip toward the end of the interview. He calls Sondheim a playwright, though in fact the librettos for all those shows have their own authors, including Roadshow, which was written by John Weidman. But in a deeper sense, John Fisher is right. Stephen Sondheim cannot be considered merely a composer-lyricist. 
His work as lyricist is utterly integral to all these plays, so in a sense he could always be considered the co-playwright of all the works that bear his name. In 2010 and 2011, two books of Sondheim's lyrics were published, both annotated in great depth by the composer-lyricist. The second, Look, I Made a Hat, which encompasses his later career as well as works for television and film, focuses to a large degree on the show that became Roadshow. I had a chance to speak with Stephen Sondheim about that book and about elements of Roadshow. The interview was conducted in Sondheim's Brownstone in New York and witnessed by his two poodles, Willie and Addie, named after the two protagonists of Roadshow. A large section of the book is devoted to the morphing of wise guys into briefly gold into bounce into roadshow that took 10 years during that period as you were going through that there's mention at the beginning of the chapter there are quotes about a lawsuit did that have any effect on the creative or did it just no 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 not at all not at all that was an eruption, but maybe even an interruption, but not very significant. After you created that very, very first Wise Guys, obviously hindsight tells you, I did this wrong, I did that wrong, I didn't focus in this area, I should have focused that. What exactly turns you on to the fact that you didn't focus there? In one case, you said, I made a mistake I should never have made, specifically that Addison's Travels is way too long. Well, you tell that when you when you run the whole show, uh, either in a run-through or in front of an audience, then the proportions become apparent. Proportions that might not be obvious if you're just uh, doing the song isolatedly in a living room or even on a stage. It's only when it's part of the texture of the piece that you realize that it is too long for the overall texture of the piece, that's all. Uh, but you can't tell that until you put it all together. Sometimes you've seen a run-through. You just run through it and they say, no, I suppose there's always an audience that senses the audience is you right. and your collaborators, but you don't need a, 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 a paying audience or an invited audience to tell you that. Or I should say, sometimes you do. Sometimes you see something and you're satisfied with it at the run-through and then you put it in front of, of a crowd and suddenly it morphs, it changes. Uh, and things that seemed funny aren't, or things that didn't seem funny are, things that seemed too long are too short, and some things that seemed uh, the right lengths are too long. You never can tell. How satisfied are you at this point? You're happy with Roadshow? We are more than happy. We are thrilled. And you're happy with Assassins the way it is? Thrilled. And those are the two shows you think are the most complete? Assassins is the one I think is the most complete. Stephen Sondheim, through the first book, in my head, I'm hearing the music while I'm reading the lyrics. Mm -hmm. Second book, I'm doing the same thing until I come to Wise Guys, those two versions. The reading and the workshop. The reading and the workshop. Yeah, okay. most, most of the workshop stuff, uh, much of the workshop stuff got into Bounce, so that was recorded. And some of it got into Roadshow, so some of that's recorded. But no, a lot of it wasn't. But, you know, early versions of shows, are, there were a lot of things in the first book that you didn't know the tunes of because there were songs that were cut. Right. There were many songs cut from Forum that you never heard. There were many songs cut from Follies that you never heard. So this is no different. You rarely, rarely reuse your material. Very rarely. Why? Because it was written for a specific set of characters in a specific situation, in a specific milieu. Each time, you know, every show is, uh, is has its own uh, color characteristic and the story and all that. So it it's an interview. So, you know, suit of clothes that fits that person will not fit that person, you know. 
you don't talk at all about cast albums. Partly it's because this is about lyrics, not right. about cast albums. Right. From your perspective, putting aside the problems with the first cast album of Follies, mm -hmm. how do you feel about the originals versus, say, the revivals? Some of them are good, and some of them are better, and some of them are not as good. Are you, oh, again, you want they vary. Be specific or not? No, well, the, the new the new uh, Follies album, I think, is the best, one of the best show albums I ever heard, if not the best. I think it's spectacular. Many of the cast albums have their own individual advantages and disadvantages, the way the revivals do. You know, some some revivals have superior casting to earlier, and some have less good mm -hmm. casting. You know, varies. The original cast recording of Follies, the part that bothered me most was the fact that these were those original performances and we were we were yep. stuck with truncated versions. Yep, yep. Bothered all of us. In this particular cast album of Follies, there's a lot more dialogue. Mm -hmm. You make comment in an interview with Playbill.com, and it's something that's always been in my mind listening to musicals, that it almost becomes, the cast recording can almost be, in a sense, a radio play. This is actually the first time I think a cast recording has been like a radio musical. Very rarely do cast albums have anywhere near the proportion of dialogue that this one does. So I, th I think this is the first time that's ever occurred. It really, really feels like a radio musical. There is one other time I know, which right. was the British, uh, the original British cast album of Man of La Mancha. Goodness gracious. Well, But that's the only other time. What I right. found is that little by little, because there's more time on a CD, people are inserting more and more dialogue. Essentially, what most shows do is insert a lot of dance music, but because most of the shows I do do not have a lot of dance music, that is not true. As you're listening to some of to some of the shows, is a piece of you now still going on some of those earlier shows? Is a piece of you going, God, I wish we'd done this or that? Oh, sure. Of course. That's, that's why I say Assassins is the closest to what I would call perfection, meaning what we intended, right. than anything else. No, there, there are always things, particularly things of my own, right. that I you know, would wish were better. Can you, can you kind of hone that in on something like Follies? Um... No, I don't think I should. I don't, I don't think I. No, I don't think I should. It will make, make the performers self-conscious. How about like something that's not like that? Uh, but it will. No, it would always make it. Anybody who heard what I had to say, then when they did the show, that would, that would it would color their attitude towards what they're doing. So I think I'd rather keep that to myself. I asked you last time about shows that you liked, and you said the problem is anyone I don't mention is going to be. Yeah, is that's, a, be that's the trouble. That's the trouble. It's the same thing. Yes. It's the same thing. As soon as you say something publicly, then you're stuck with it. Speaking of publicly, you did make those comments about the Gershwins, Porgy mm -hmm. and Bess. That was a letter. The, the letter in the New York Times. It seemed to me that a great deal of that had to do with the intended ending as well as calling it the Gershwins, Porgy and Bess. No, the, the intended, everybody's made a big deal about the intended ending. That was just one of many, many points I made. The ending, but the whole thing about the fact that it was called the Gershwins and nobody bothered to mention Debose Hayward—that that was a major point I was making. Yeah. That, that's how I opened the letter. And you you talked a lot about changing the thought processes of people who are no longer around to defend themselves. Well, it's not changing the thought process; it's changing what they created. How do you feel about? creating a new book as they did for Flower Drum Song or even on a clear day. 
I have no idea of, of what the Rodden Hammerstein estate said or the Rodden Hammerstein company said about Flower Dome selling. A lot of heirs and companies and et cetera, et cetera, are greedy, and they will do anything to get the show on on Broadway. That's the Gershwin estate, which is insanely greedy. And they would they would license anything if it meant a buck. They licensed United Airlines. Well, that's, and Michael Stronsky was not happy. Uh, well, but some of the some of the family was very happy <laughs> because the family is always at odds with each other. I, you know, I I have no idea what I think the Roger and Hammerstein office obviously approved because they thought it could be improved. But that's the Roger and Hammerstein. You know, that involves people who are connected with the shows. The Gershwin family had nothing to do with the shows. But, you know, I don't know this for a fact. And, and you know, I, I didn't see either Flower Drum song or On a Clear Day, so I don't know whether I would think they were better or not better. You're listening to a 2011 interview with Stephen Sondheim about his career and his books of lyrics. His most recent show, Roadshow, is having its West Coast premiere in a Theater Rhino production at the Eureka Theater in San Francisco through January 19th. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems as if you got about halfway through the movie singing out loud before yeah. it was abandoned. Oh, no, we, got, we, we did a whole draft. We did a whole draft. However, I still had the last song to finish. Um, it, was, it, was, it was pretty complete. It was pretty complete. Would you ever consider going back to it and seeing if it could work for the stage? No, it's not. It was written for the movies. It was very. It's, in fact, it's written about movie techniques. You couldn't do it on the stage. Would you ever consider going back to it? Oh, sure. If anybody wanted to do it, I finally did see Evening Primrose. If I recall correctly, you gave some directions to the director that you, you had Anthony Perkins. No, I didn't. Uh, I, I told Tony himself. I should have cleared with the director who might have corrected me. Not some directions. That that's that the one. It. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Talk about that in the book. Have you seen Evening Primrose lately? Sure. Oh, I like it fine. You know, it was done very quickly. The TV show, I think, it's fine. What role do you think casting, original casting, plays in your actual writing? None. Or uh, that's not true. There, there have only been a few examples where somebody was cast while I was writing it or before I wrote it. There was a Lynn Stritch in Company, and there was Angela in uh, Sweeney Todd. Certainly, those two. Oh, Ethel Merman. Those were the three whom I knew while, either before writing or while writing. Did you have any say in the castings of any of these revivals? Oh, point? sure. You're protected by the Drama Guild. If you're a member oh. of the Drama Guild, you have complete say. All authors have complete approval of casting of any first-class, what they call first-class production. It's a legal term. Have you ever thought about just writing music on your own? No, I did that in my early 20s, but I know I'm only interested in the theater. Because you, you mentioned that you kind of miss it. No, I miss writing music, but I meant writing music for the theater. There's an interesting point uh, you make about the show Passion, which is that larger-than-life people feel like they need opera, which is something operatic. I think it's probably true of the stage, too, even in plays. I think, you know, people in Streetcar Named Desire are larger than life. I think probably life-size is not a good idea for the stage. The stage itself, I think, demands larger-than-life characters, emotions, and events. Opera merely intensifies that. When you're talking about something like Sunset Boulevard, as an opera, that would work. No, that was Billy Wilder said that. You didn't tackle it because... No, because he said it. Because I thought he was right. And he was right. In terms of passion, you he, mentioned you were worried about that maybe it could only be an opera. I don't remember saying that, um, but the po point is, it is, it, for all intents and purposes, it is a sort of chamber opera. So it's not a overcoming anything, it's just, it feels like a chamber opera more than it does a sort of commercial musical. 
Stephen Sondheim, these videotaped shows. When I talked to you a year ago, you said it's fine that it's a videotaped show. Like, for example, Company. The Rallis Bars of Company. I'd forgotten that the Rallis Bars, that was sold commercially. I totally forgot that. Okay, well, if they're good productions, they're well, you know, I, I do remember uh, Into the Woods, James doing Into the Woods. That was seemed to me. In fact, Sunny in the Park with George seemed to be a good tape. Sometimes, you know, again, if they're well directed by somebody who understands the video um, medium and the show's any good, then they're good. But you don't feel that way about film. Filming a show is quite different. Making a film out of a show is different than videotaping the show. I mean, there's two entirely different purposes. Videotaping a show is recording it. Literally making a record of it. Making a movie out of a show is making a whole other work of art. You don't have a proscenium arch and a stage and painted scenery. Do you think that relates to suspension of disbelief? You suspend disbelief for a movie in a different way, but you suspend disbelief for a movie just as much as you do in the theater. That's not reality. It was going around that Streisand was going to be in a movie version of Gypsy. Mm -hmm. Okay. That was going to happen until Arthur Lawrence said that he had talked to you and that a definitive version of Gypsy might taint future Gypsy productions. No, I was addressing the fact that he was very anxious to have it made as a movie, and I said, why? Because he, you know, uh, we, we started talking about the aspects of, of how you make the movie out of it. I said, why are you so anxious to have a movie made out of it, Arthur? I said, the whole thing about what keeps the theater alive is that it's done differently, not only by different people, but every night the same show is different. That's what makes theater alive. Movies are set in aspect. Any movie, once it's made, it doesn't change. It is, for all intents and purposes, dead in the sense that it no longer is capable of changing. Whereas theater is an entirely different medium, and its essence is that it is never perfect. The producers, they have the money, you do what they want, and you're kind of stuck. Did you find that? No. I've never done something just because the producers wanted it, ever. They couldn't change anything without our permission. No. Now that we've seen these revivals, successful revivals of Night Music and Follies, is there anything about Merrily We Roll Along that might come back? Yeah, we're doing an encore version in February. And see where it goes from there? No, just doing it because we want to do it. Yeah, just wrong. <laughs> yeah. How about Anyone Can Whistle? Uh, that was done in encore two years ago. The Pacific Overtures was a revival. That's already. been done, yeah, that's been done yeah. recently. I guess for a lot of people, who are younger, they look at musical theater as kind of a dead form. Part of it, I think you've expressed, which is that it's very difficult to put lyrics into a rock song that you're mm -hmm. going to want to listen to. Is there any way to revitalize musical theater? Well, I, I'm not sure. I don't think it's so unvitalized. There are, there are hit shows that young people go to all the time. Sometimes not even hits. A lot of a lot of young people went to Spring Awakening and Next to Normal. A lot of people, young people went to American Idiot. A lot of young people are going to Book of Mormon. And uh, uh, Wicked is entirely supported by teenage girls. I don't think it's so dead to the young people. Do you see a, a kind of difference between the sophisticated audience and the younger audience or the audience from middle America? Or don't I don't know really what sophisticated care. means. Uh, if you're talking about adult audiences, I don't, adult doesn't mean sophisticated. I mean, my guess is that the younger people are more sophisticated than the older people. I think you mean people who've seen a lot of musicals. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, the average, average audience for most musicals in New York is ancient, and it's because they're, they're used to going to musical theater. It's habitual. But there's a young audience that goes to the young shows. You see just a more continuity then? I think so. 
Yeah. Well, these are, yeah, like all art forms, it's liquid and, and goes, and particularly commercial art forms, goes in many directions. It goes through phases, you know. 20 years ago, it was all British pop operas. It's not anymore. And for you, because of what you're interested in, you passed on stuff because it should be rock. Or I think it should be. And rock is not natural to me. It's not a natural language. I would only be imitating. It's easy to imitate, but that's not the same thing as it coming from, from your gut. And, um, no, I think they say shoemaker stick to your last. Stephen Sondheim, what I've discovered in reading this book is that you're a good writer, as a writer, as a prose writer. Thank you. And you've written plays. Have you ever thought about writing a novel? No, never thought about a novel. I wrote, a, I wrote half a novel when I was about 18 years old. No, I'm, 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 prose is not my natural language. And I've never written a play by myself, only. I collaborated on a murder mystery. That, that's not play right. I mean, that's one half a play. I wrote half a play. What is it about collaboration that appeals to you? Oh, I just love the idea of, of working with somebody. It's probably a substitution for family. I was an only child. Maybe that has something to do with that. But also, most I think on a practice, that's on a you know, 10 cent psychological level. But I like to have somebody to argue with. Just go back and forth. Yep. You said after talking about Roadshow that there were other titles you liked, like Strike It Rich. Yep, I like Strike It Rich a lot. When you're looking at all your career and the titles, is there any title that you look at and you're kind of going, this is a better one, or is that just so far in the past that you don't even give it any thought anymore? I, yeah, I, I don't really remember. Most of the titles most of the titles are perfectly fine as far as I'm concerned. The original title of West Side Story was Gangway, which is still printed on the back of the, of the flats that occasionally show up in road companies. Um, yeah, I, I, I think generally... Titles are very hard to find. I'm not sure the road shows the best title, but um, it's it, that's a hard one. We weren't able to find one. I think that satisfied all the criteria. It's very hard to find titles. Stephen Sondheim, when you're looking for something, which now I would guess you would like to get back into mm -hmm. writing a musical. Yeah, right. Sure. When you're looking, what exactly do you look for? Just uh, just look for something that sings to you. Everybody, you know, that's again personal. Uh, I, I tell the anecdote about uh, how uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein were approached with the idea of turning Pygmalion into a musical, and Oscar said, it's not a musical, it takes place in a professor's office, I don't see how it can be a musical, and then Alan Lerner made it into My Fair Lady. So, you know, everybody has a different feeling about what sings to them, and that didn't sing to Oscar, and it sang to Alan J. Lerner. How close are you to having something sing to you now? Oh, I've got three things. Three things? Mm-hmm. And you work on them simultaneously? No, we're just just beginning to talk about them. I haven't started any writing yet. I just finished the book a month ago. In retrospect, is there anything you think you might have left out of these books that you wish? No, I, no, I don't <laughs> think so. I don't think so. I can't think of anything anyway. Okay. No, I said pretty much everything I had to say about what I wanted to say. You've been listening to a 2011 interview with Stephen Sondheim about his collection of lyrics, Look, I Made a Hat. Sondheim's most recent show, Roadshow, produced by Theodore Rhino and directed by John Fisher, is now at the Eureka Theater in San Francisco through January 19th. For more information, you can go to the Theodore Rhinoceros website, therhino.org. One final note. When Rhino's publicist sent a note to Sondheim asking for an interview, the 83-year-old composer-lyricist politely declined, stating that he was too busy to spend the time and was consumed by work on his next show. I'm Richard Walensky on Open Book.
you are faced with dozens of choices every day. Here's another choice that we're asking you to make right now. It's a choice that can make a difference to thousands of people throughout our community. It's a choice that can put great radio on your dial every day of the week. You choose to listen to KPFA. Now choose to support it. Visit kpfa.org to give securely online. Let's be honest. There are a lot of people who don't listen to KPFA. There are also a lot of people who don't and won't support this station. That's why we need people like you. People who listen to this station and are willing to support it. So as you consider your gift to KPFA, give online at kpfa.org and thanks. From Feature Story News in Washington and our bureaus around the world, this is FSN Reports. I'm Simon Marks. On today's program, a disappointing jobs report. Unemployment in the U.S. has fallen, but 350,000 people have left the workforce. We'll find out where they've gone. Also, India throws a U.S. diplomat out just hours after an indicted Indian diplomat leaves New York. We have remained in very close contact uh, with the Indians as we work to move our relationship forward. A chemical spill in West Virginia leaves 300,000 people without clean water. And the battle in New Haven, Connecticut, over one of the city's best-known public spaces. Activists say the authorities here are trying to criminalize homelessness and restrict free speech. I'm Melinda and I'll have that story coming up. That's ahead on FSN Reports after our summary of...